But one of the most frequently asked questions in mind is, what should I do? Everything we have together is like this. Some are trivial. Should I wait to do walking today? Some are big decisions in life. Should I marry John or Jim? Jim David. <laughs> but as we need mandates to life, we make decisions for the life. But the question is, how? How do you decide what you do in any given situation? What should happen your decisions? Your upbringing? Your personality? Your experience? What makes you decide to be in church today? What makes you decide to wear pink pants or jeans today? To sit on the left or to sit on the right? How do you decide where to go for lunch later? What happens those decisions? Well, in Corinth, the Christians are confronted with a choice. Should I or should I not eat idol food? Should I eat meat or from the meat market? Should I go to that party that I was invited? What should I do? You can see how relevant the attitude for us As Christians, how do we make decisions? What should rather than decisions? Today we will see how the Apostle guided Corinthians in thinking about eating or not eating food as well as idols. We will learn principles that will guide us through decisions making, not just about idol food, but about the Christian life. Let's begin by going back to Corinth. What do we already know about the Christians in Corinth? Well, we have seen the last few weeks that they are both too much. Despite having sexual immorality in their needs, they were arrogantly complacent. They were clueless about the great danger that they are in that a little Latin can bring to the whole arm. They were half up with knowledge, they were self confident, they were keen to fight for their rights. This was a group of Christians that Paul threatened again in chapter 9, verse 4. So to read 19.4. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable bread. But we, and imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not fall to come in here. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The point here is keeping the body under control. For the Corinthians, what has been guarding the decision they make seems to be your body. Your body's appetite for food, your body's desire for sexual satisfaction, determines what you decide to do in life. Should I go along to the party and eat idle food? Well, there will be ambulance and ambulance, and I do nothing 
So he says, so I have the right to do whatever I want. Why not? Let's go. But Paul says, no. Your body, your empire cannot be in this right feet. You must keep your body under your soul. Not the other way around. In fact, you must work so extremely hard by a professional athlete to refrain your body. There is an intentional strict training and this is very good. At this point, I can imagine the way this draws across. What? You must be kidding, Paul? To which I think Paul replied, No, I'm not kidding. You understand this. Your Christian life is like a race. It's not a walk in the park. Every day you wake up and train like you never train before. You run like you never ran before. You push your pain threshold like you never did before. The anti Mari train like crazy just to win some golden medal. Metal. Do you expect to train any less? For the sake of the heavenly imperishable ground? And then comes verse 27, the table punch. Paul says, I, even I, who is an apostle, discipline my body and keep it under control. Let other Christians I myself be spotified. At this point, the self-confidence for this would be shocked. What? Did you hear what he just said? Disqualified? He, the apostle, is in possible danger of being disqualified? He, the apostle, is in danger of being rejected as a burning on judgment day? Tell me. Paul says, yes, that is why you have to start thinking much more seriously. You train, you control, you master, you restrain your body. Not letting your body go down. Decide what you do and where you go. But are you convinced that you might be someone? Let me remind you what happened in the past. Chapter 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware from this, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all are through the fever. And all that I in Moses in power and in sea, and all ate the same spirit food, and all drank the same spirit drink. So they drank from the spiritual rock that was in and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were poor from the goodness. In verse 1, when Paul said, Our fathers, he was referring to his life to live in a exodus time. He was recalling the watershed event in the history of Israel. And back then, God rescued the Israelite out of slavery in Egypt. God was the Israelite in the field of fire and of cloud, in Exodus 13. He opened up the red sea for them to pass through Exodus 14, protecting them to the Egyptians. The Israelites were apart in the town and in the sea, in the sense that the Exodus marked the Israelites moved from bondage to freedom. In this event, the Israelites were apart 
that is the king, God comes back to evil. After rescuing them from Egypt, God continues to be members. God provides them food, manner made up of heaven. God provides them drink from the rock. Exodus is no doubt the Old Testament background that Paul is agreeing to here. But what was Paul trying to say to the Corinthians by calling this incident? I think the point is simple. Try to pay attention to the clear verse that happened in this passage and you see. They were all under God. All passed through the All organized. All ate. All drank. Yeah. Paul was emphasizing the fact that all Israelites experienced God's blessing. And then verse 5, Nevertheless, with most, God was not pleased. There were the wilderness. All had the same experience of redemption. Nevertheless, most people found God's judgment. All are not the same, but not all in the same way. Most incurred God's wrath due to the rebellion. Paul's point is, even after having fully been initiated into the redeemed community, many Israelites fell from construction. So, can one be disqualified? Well, greatness, you receive God's redemption blessing. So, the Israelites. They drank the same spiritual drink from the same drop, and yet, it was God's office. These actually happened in the history of Israel. And Paul is not done with this one, he continues in verse 6. Now these things took place as an example for us, that we might not desire the ego and the deed. Do not acknowledge this as the sum of their work, as it is written. But you sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. We must not doubt of sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ into the past, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. No grumble, as some of them did. And will destroy by the destroyer. Now these things happen to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of ages has come. Paul is trying to begin to warn the Corinthians if they have not points of the danger that they face if they don't control their bodies. Basically, saying, Look at what happens to these lives. Each time they chose to do the evil that their body craved, each time they care only to gratify their body's appetite or food or possess, each time without them, God judged them. So, for instance, do you think you will escape if you do what you need? Back in number 25, the Malbec invited his wife and tried to go they went along, they had along with them, they slapped the human without the gods. God destroyed on the same day, 23,000 of them. 
Back in number 21, simply over food and water, simply over craving for more delicious food, what do you decide to do? And that is come up with them to complain against the Lord. Have you patience? God has servants. Many die. So he warned, like a self-control, that Israel, idolatry, they will destroy. Like self-control can lead you for against to idolatry, and you can be destroyed. And mind you, we are those on whom the end of ages has come. That is the final judgment is nearer for us today than yesterday. Those who rebel against God will suffer our destruction. But the verse that we have shocked the Corinthians most is verse 7. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. For is quoting the infamous word of for the Corinthians, you remember, don't you, how outrageous this life was? After, right after you finished God's blessing, they made for the past. Sat down and eat and drink in celebration of these idols. That's ridiculous, isn't it? So stop being like that. Don't be idolaters. At this point, the Corinthians would have interrupted all. Wait a minute, Paul. You are comparing us to them? Are you mistaken? We are no idolaters. Remember, we know that there is one God, there is no God, but one. We are Moses. How can you call us idolaters? But Paul says, let's go. Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. The Corinthians thought themselves as being very secure solution. They regarded themselves as being strong and knowledgeable. They had nothing to fear, they are free, they can decide to do whatever they want. Paul was trying very hard to warn them to help them see that. Dear Savior, suggest that they are not as secure as they thought. And they need to reconsider the present attitudes and practices urgently as before. How about us? Do we need to reconsider our present attitudes and practices urgently as before? Look from verse 1 to verse 12 so far. The point is here. All runners run, but not all will win. All the Israelites experience the lack of exodus and divine provision, but not all made in the program. So Corinthians in a take heed, left they fall by the Israelites' need. And the reason they must take heed. It's because they can take it. Verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. 
of his temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Many fell, and that's the truth. But it is not out of necessity. Many fell, but it was not out of necessity. Temptations that were faced were not irresistible. Nor was the right spell each time. Some enjoyed the temptation to remain with God. Shadow to Joshua is not felt. God always, always provides his people with a choice with an infinite heart. God is faithful. He remains faithful to his commandments and people. Sometimes he removes from us, we must be sometimes he removes us from the situation of seeing unbearable conditions. Sometimes he provides strength and other resources in the situation to strengthen us. So that they so that we may endure the conditions and remain faithful. God never ever leaves us without hope or without escape. That is why we can pray, leave us from temptation, but deliver us from the world. So God always, always provides us away. So from verse 1 to verse 13, how do we make decisions in life? Well, we make them taking into consideration what is at stake. Your own spiritual well-being. Remember that. Verse 14. Paul begins the new section. By now he has already shaken the Corinthians for and spirit churches. He has proven to them that real possibility of God's judgment on them. If they continue to be denied idolatry as Israel are. Next, he tried to show them how their present decision and actions concerning food of the idols were actually adulterous. Verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak to, I speak as successful people. Joshua's that's why I say, the cup of blessing that we bless, it is not a participation in the blood of Christ. The bread of meat bread is not a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one bread. We are many of one body. For we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices of incidents in the altar? What do I imply then? That food altar violates anything or violates anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You can't be the cup of God and the cup of demons. You cannot partake the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we 
think that they are so strongly strong, are they stronger than he, that they can flirt with demons and expect what he learned? Verse 14 to verse 22. What does it tell us how to make divisions like? Well, you make them, taking into consideration the spiritual danger that is involved. Take that into consideration. Take into consideration the raw stuff along the provoke into jealousy. Verse 3. In chapter 8, we have seen that Paul's concern was for the brother of the Christ. Do you remember? In chapter 9, his concern was for those who are yet in space. And so far from what we have seen this morning, the 1940 and this group, his concern was for Corinthians' own spiritual health. Now, from verse 23, we return to focus the well-being of others. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek to spoil good, but the good of his neighbor. If I have stolen the others, you are raising any question on the ground conscience. For the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness of God. If one country is invite you to dinner and you are exposed to gold, if whatever is said for you, do not raise any question on your own conscience. But if someone asks, says to you, this food has been offered in the price, then don't eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience, I do not need gold, conscience, but peace. For why should I be who tell me about someone else's conscience? If I tell you this, why am I now because of that which of his hands? Paul's point here is captured in verse 24. Let no one seek his own good by the good of his neighbor. He made the same point already in chapter 9. I become all things to all people. And by all means, I'm a big son. Now he takes this principle and shows the Corinthians how he should take a back their daily decision concerning the of the Bibles. The first point he very clearly that as far as scripture is concerned, the whole earth and everything is lost. That is, there is nothing wrong with the food in itself. No matter what has been done to it, no matter how it is used by other people, other religions, in their religious spirits, the food in itself is nothing wrong. Everything of itself belongs to the Lord. Whatever food is found in the meat market, it is part of God's gracious provision. And it is dependent, Christians are really either. But the point is, your decision to eat or not to eat depends not on the food itself. 
It does not depend on your leaders either. It does not depend on your knowledge either. Not even whether you are thankful or not. Your decision to give or not to give must be guided by others. And the institution of being. It must be governed by the country of the gospel and the need of others to be saved by the gospel. Life is not about you, good things. That's what Paul is saying. It is not about your liberty, your happiness, your connection, your knowledge. Life is about the gospel. It is about others' salvation and dearly to hear the gospel. So as we go to the post, what should I do? How do I decide what I should do in any given situation? What should govern my decision? Paul says in verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not taking my own advantage, but that of many that they may say, the images of me as I am of Christ. Life is essentially all about others. Just look at a man who lives in a bad life. Our Lord is saying Jesus Christ. He put the needs of others before his own freedom and his own rights. He did whatever that was necessary to secure the salvation of others. He did whatever that was necessary to secure the spiritual health of others. Even though it cost him his life. Even though he meant that he would be wounded for transgression and crushed for injuries. And life is ultimately about glorifying God. Everything that Jesus did, he did to the glory of the Father. Even all the way to the point of the cross, Jesus said in John, Father, the hour has come. Glorify the Son, that the Son may glorify you. So in whatever that you do in life, we do it for the glory of God. And with that, we do in prayer. Father in heaven, I pray this for myself and for each and every one of my brothers and sisters for whom I fight. Father, I pray that the mind of Christ, our Savior, will live in us from day to day. The mind which is other person centered, the mind which is God centered. 
and all of your power. And Father, we ask that Spanish love and power to make control all that we do and all that we say. And we ask this for this Lord in Jesus' name. Amen.